Trade Talks, bringing you the best of the buy side. Hello there, bit of a new voice on the Trade Talks. Yes, my name is Kaiser Heel. I am the new multimedia journalist for the trade and joining me is our new editor, Hayley McDowell. Hello, Kaiser. Lovely to join you today for our podcast. It's been a while. Yes, well, this is our renewal of our old podcast, but it's going to be bigger and better. And yeah, we've got some interesting stories to look at from the, what we've been looking over the past quarter. So yeah, let's run into it. What have you been looking at, Haley? So I guess the first quarter we've had uh, some big developments in the industry so far. Uh, a couple of stories that caught my eye. Uh, so I would say definitely this one about the National Stock Exchange of India. Uh, which, according to statistics from the Futures Industry Association, uh, they actually surpassed US exchange group CME to become the largest derivatives exchange globally uh, by trading volume. So I thought that was really interesting, um, something that was really well read on the website. I think a lot of people were, were quite interested in in that one. Um, I think, you know, it was a big year for um, derivatives trading last year. So. The statistics from uh, FIA show that uh, it was actually a record year um, for global exchange traded derivatives markets, which surged 13.7% to a record 34.47 billion contracts. So that was quite a big one. Big one. So what I've been looking at is the Eurex answer to the buy side. Basically, they're offering more ESG derivatives. And this is basically a trend which we've been seeing. I mean, ESG constantly hearing about this but yeah so Eurex are answering the calls of the buy side who have been demanding more ESG, ESG derivatives to trade on. That's quite an interesting story in itself I think we we hear very regularly from Eurex that you know this ESG derivatives is is quite a big focus for them at the moment I know through last year uh, you know and again it's continuing into this year we've seen ESG futures options arrive at the exchange so definitely a focus and I expect to hear a lot more around not just the ESG derivatives but ESG in general will continue to be a friend a trend this year um, so yeah that's that's definitely another one to, to keep an eye on so also what I've been looking at is the cobalt adding standard charter to its expanding shared ledger technology now over the past month they've been taking on many of these institutional players we have had city join them recently we've also had Suckton Financial, as well as Saxo Bank, Deutsche Bank, and XTX Markets. So over this past month, they've been really bringing everyone onto the shared ledger technology and what it's doing for them. It's giving them cost-saving benefits, and this is because it's sharing all the information on one network for post-FX trading. And the more players they have added onto it, the more data they have, so it's more of a building of the network. But over this past month in February, they have been really bringing a lot of people, big players into it. So one to look out for and one to keep an eye on to see who else is going to join this network. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting one. I think definitely the shared ledger technology aspect of it, you know, the fact that we do see these larger banks like Citi, Deutsche Bank, XTX Markets, you know, these these big institutions that are now looking and implementing the technology. It's, it's interesting to see, you know, a lot of it's in the post-trade space at the moment, which, you know, I think the technology is more suited towards. But... Yeah, Cobalt has definitely been doing some interesting things so far this year. So we will definitely be keeping an eye on that. And I expect that we will probably hear more from those guys. So is there anything else you've been looking at? I would say another theme that we've seen, or I've been personally keeping a close eye on, is the ICE ETF hub. 
so as we all know, you know, ETFs are, are growing exponentially uh, across the, the industry around the world. Um, and there was a story out this uh, this morning, um, it might have been earlier this week, which stated that they had reached a new record, uh, the ETF hub um, at ICE. They, they actually processed 27 billion uh, in Notional. So that's really huge. And I think it was interesting to hear that the bulk of that was actually fixed income ETFs. Uh, so, you know, we, we all know that fixed income ETFs is, is one of the biggest, fastest growing segments of, of the ETF uh, market. So, so that's interesting to see. But, you know, on, on top of that as well, we got a little bit more information from uh, ICE on the ETF hub itself. So, so just to give you guys a bit of background, the ICE ETF hub is looking to support the ongoing growth of ETFs uh, by allowing clients and people in the ecosystem to assemble and place, create redemption baskets automatically, but through a more standardized way, which I think is maybe the key here for for this ecosystem. So we got an update from ICE earlier in the year, I think it was during their first quarter earnings call. And that's when Jeff Sprecher, CEO of ICE, uh, confirmed that JP Morgan, Bank of America, Citadel Securities, and Virtue Financial were among the first to join the ecosystem as authorized participants. And then shortly after that, we also heard that Goldman Sachs had had come on board as well. So we've got some major players that are really getting into this space now. Um, And obviously, you know, we've got these exchange groups that are looking to facilitate that growth, which is which is interesting. So one company I've been looking at on a few stories is Aquis. Now, Aquis, they've just been given the green light for a takeover of NEX. It's a two point seven million pound takeover. And basically, the UK's FCA has handed them the approval and what does this mean? The the Aquis deal is is a really interesting one. I think this is the chance for Aquis to uh, branch out into listings, and also, you know, it's it's really exciting to see uh, that exchange, which is relatively, um, you know, a baby really, um, not not long formed, but you know, with industry veteran Alistair Haynes behind it, it's um, you know, it's up and coming, and it's 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 previously been previously gone public so there's definitely a lot of things happening there i think the the acquisition of uh, next exchange is is really interesting um i know that we were expecting that to close at the end of last year so there may have been some delay i'm not sure what that was about but the latest update this week is that the fca have indeed given them the green light so that's going to be an interesting one once that sort of once that next business is integrated it's going to be interesting to see how Aquis then moves forward with that. Uh, and just for everyone's reference as well, so uh, Aquis is acquiring Next Exchange from CME, which of course acquired uh, Next Group a couple of years ago. So just while we're on Aquis, another people move coming is the financial pundit David Buke, who's going to join the exchange as a consultant. And now it's quite interesting because you said he's a, it's a baby company, still finding its feet. So bringing in someone who's a financial commentator appeared on Sky, CNN. What could this bring to the company? What do you think Aquis Exchange is getting from taking such a big name? I think it's a, an interesting move. And I think it just goes to show, you know, how much Aquis has perhaps moved on from being that startup exchange, that challenger exchange to becoming something that's a little bit more cemented in the market now. I know that they're increasingly winning more market share across Europe. Uh, so, you know, this this people move is just, I guess, another um, signal that the company is cementing itself in, in the marketplace, definitely. And I would definitely say this quarter, Goldman Sachs has been doing some interesting stuff. So first of all, they have inked a deal with Bloomberg uh, and 
I'm not sure if if everyone knows, but Goldman Sachs and Bloomberg have been working with each other for a very long time. Uh, In 2018, uh, Goldman actually agreed to take on Bloomberg Tradebook's equities uh, clients. So there's a a long-standing relationship there. So it was no surprise to hear that Goldman has now uh, inked this new deal with Bloomberg to incorporate their data, their reference and pricing data, with its new marquee platform for institutional clients. So the marquee platform is what Goldman describes as being the digital storefront of its securities division. And it basically allows people to hedge portfolio risk and execute trading strategies across asset classes uh, with that market intelligence, risk analytics and proprietary data sets. So that's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on in terms of the adoption of that platform, in terms of Goldman's plans for that for the future. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to sort of get in front of those guys and ask them a few questions on, on that. Um, so yeah, really look, looking forward to hearing more about the marquee platform itself. Um, but perhaps more interesting from a market structure side, we had an update from Memex, which is a members exchange, the US exchange group that's launching later this year. So those of you that follow market structure will know that Memex was born out of the debate in the US around market data and the costs of market data and market access, uh, something we followed very closely at the trade. And I think, you know, our readers were certainly interested in the subject. Um, Kylas, I know you recently wrote about the, the SEC, uh, you know, and the changes that the SEC are looking to make around that sort of governance of, of research, of market data costs. It was like really kind of shocking, at basically them basically dictating the price of the data and really having a monopoly on the market. So it was really quite shocking and yeah, very interesting to see how regulation could come in to kind of put the reins on the horse so they can't have full control because it was really like, yeah, a monopoly. Yeah. Kind of whoever has the power, they have the power of the data. So it was very interesting for me to see that this was actually playing out and interesting to see how the people who were buying this data were dealing with it because it put them on the back foot if they couldn't afford the data they weren't getting people investing with them they weren't getting clients so it was very a real kind of hot topic and it's interesting to see where it will go following this it was a a definitely a heated debate last year i know that we had all of the big wall street players that that sort of gave their views on it and it seemed to certainly be exchanges versus you know the the big the big banks and, and the buy side as well um so the interesting thing was that Soon after this big debate was was held in 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 the US and and it is ongoing, um, even though the, the SEC is, has has recently confirmed that it, it's make it's looking to change that structure, uh, which could be interesting for the exchanges, right? Because market data is a, a big part of their business; they they make a hell of a lot of money off of that. So, it will be interesting to see the impact that that could have on the exchanges moving forward. But out of that debate, we've seen the birth of Memex. So this was. Um, this was announced last year and and it's we've got the big players involved in this and we're talking retail and institutional players. So we've got Bank of America, we've got Charles Schwab, Citadel Securities, E-Trade, Fidelity, Morgan Stanley, T-Day Ameritrade, uh, UBS and Virtue Financial have all teamed up to launch their own exchange. Um, so this is a massive development and, and it's, you know, they've got um, Jonathan Kellner at the helm now. He's, he's the CEO. He's the former CEO of, um, of Instanet. So um, the SEC has given them uh, Memex approval to launch 
uh, on the 24th of July this year. So that will be really interesting. Um, But perhaps more interesting is the fact that Memex confirmed earlier this quarter that Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan and Jane Street have also joined the venture now. So, so they are they're on board as investors. Uh, but you know, you see these these big firms all getting involved in this project. It's it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, how that will take on Nasdaq, NYSE, SIBO, These these big exchange groups. It's it, I think the landscape in in the US. We could see some big changes for for the exchanges. You know, and particularly the the monopolies, the market data debate, there's there's a lot of things that are coming to the surface now and they're almost coming to a head where the industry might see some real life changes. So it's going to be a very hot and fiery summer once that goes through. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to, to, you know, see that one play out, definitely. Now, I'm sure you guys have all tired of hearing about it. The coronavirus, you can't escape it on the news, but it is affecting the industry as well. So what do we know what's happening apart from a number of events and conferences being cancelled across Europe, in Britain, in America? So it is affecting the industry. How's it affecting us here in London? It's been a bit of a weird one. So we know that some of the big banks are splitting their offices in half or relocating traders to disaster recovery sites, which are on the outskirts of London, uh, Croydon, you know, those kind of um, city, uh, towns. So it has, it's been a bit of a weird one. Markets have been swinging wildly, you know, in the past couple of weeks as investors try to comprehend the the impact of coronavirus. Um, I guess for some traders, they may say, well, this is, this is good, right? We've been waiting for this kind of volatility for years. It's we've had big we've had big news events that haven't really translated to markets. So I think you know, in a, in an odd kind of way, this this volatility is is potentially a, a good or exciting time for for some of the traders in the industry. I would have thought, um, but yeah, we're seeing offices being split. We're seeing disaster recovery sites being opened up. Um, yeah, it's for us. It's business as usual, right? <laughs> oh yeah, we're still we're still working hard. But it's quite interesting that all these banks are laying out a contingency contingency plan, because yeah, one person goes sick, your whole office is out. So it does yeah. make sense to split it. Maybe people are saying, "Oh, calm down," but you know, play it safe. And I think fair enough if you know in how it is right now to play it safe. So apart yeah. from that, yeah, we have had it, having conferences closing and basically markets took a little hit. But it's just one of those ones which we're going to see develop and we just have to see how this pandemic will go. I did air quotations there when I said pandemic. So that's all we have time for today. But we're going to be running out these podcasts on a frequent basis. So you can always join me and Hayley by just subscribing to our channel, following our page. And listen, we always throw out a newsletter every day. So subscribe to that. And obviously you can always find the news at thetradenews.com. Thank you for listening.